This episode originally aired on March 11th, 2022. Our client today is our good friend, Darren Wood from the Defense Diaries podcast. One of my favorites. You should go check that out. Sorry about the audio on this one. I haven't upgraded to Starlink yet, so sometimes Zoom sucks. Okay? I'm sorry. In New Orleans, mm-hmm. do they, is this like a famous story? Like, do you guys learn this in school? Do you guys learn about the Axeman when you're in grade seven? <laughs> school in New Orleans. Um, <laughs> no, we don't learn anything in school in New Orleans, ever. You guys help uh, people solve solve mysteries and such. Is that in the right place? You are. Good day to you, sir. How did you find our service? Um, the sign on the front says, if you need us, come inside. So I came inside. I didn't realize the sign was working. Very thorough sign. I don't know if you guys. I told you specificity is, is the key to uh, wealth. That's why I put you in charge of the sign, RJ. Mm-hmm. I typed it out in Comic Sans and then scotch taped <laughs> it to the front of the door. But, but you scotch taped the shit out of it. though. It was perfect. Thank you. So, yeah, I got this whole X-Men murder New Orleans situation that no one can seem to figure out. Give me a hand with that. Yeah. An elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? Maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover-ups. John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. Do you guys know anything about the Axeman? I know I know Darren does, but you two other dicks know anything about the Axeman in New Orleans? I know you do, RJ. You are talking mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Not at all. Okay. That's good. This will be fun. All right, so the one we're doing today is uh, kind of a brutal one. Uh, the Axeman in New Orleans killed six people and injured six others over the course of just over a year in the early 1900s. His signature kill was with an axe, but the Axeman also used other objects he could find at the scene, including a straight razor. And he mostly killed Italians. So that's uh, that, that is a big bonus point uh of his for me (laughs) sicilian specifically Uh, (laughs) this is the second week in a row we've been ragging on italians so is is there still a huge italian population in new orleans there god Um, willing not anymore the exporter there's at least at least six less you you gotta start somewhere (laughs) the serial killer known as the axeman has never been identified but we're going to fucking crush this mystery today because why not? we got to go back to the early 1900s for this one. Uh, usually I bring us into the 1800s, so we're, we're, this is more contemporary. <laughs> uh, right back to 1918, uh, May 23rd, in fact. That's my wife's birthday. Actual birthday. My wife is 104 this year. Nice. It's not Piccadilly or whatever. (laughs) She's cradle robbing and you're grave robbing. Yeah, exactly. Richard, I think we've agreed that we're not going to give up our sources for our early 1800s. All right. Let's not tell people where we get all of our information from. So Joseph and Catherine Maggio were asleep in their bed after a hard day working in their grocery store. The Sicilian immigrants had run his family owned grocery for six years, respected and well-known members of their community. Mr. and Mrs. Joe is what they were known around the neighborhood. They had no kids, but their store was a fixture. They actually, uh, a lot of people that had grocers back then actually lived in the back of the store. They don't really have that anymore. 
with like Walmarts and shit. But back in the day, you'd like live in the front part or in the back part, and then the front would be like your store. This is for most of the victims today. They were all Italian grocers, which is very specific. And they also happen to hate jazz, every one of them. The, the Italians, yeah, they like crooning music, you know, like Frank Sinatra shit. They don't like the good jazz. They like the slow jazz. <laughs> when was this again? 1818 or 1918. Yeah. They're just, <laughs> so they hated all music because they knew one day Frank Sinatra would be born. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm just waiting for that good shit in like 200 years. <laughs> so Joseph's brother, Andrew, who was a barber, lived in their house as well. They didn't have a barber shop in their grocery store. That would be kind of weird. It wouldn't be like a grocer barber house. Uh, it was just a grocer house. The barber shop was in the same building, but it was two stores beside, directly beside the grocer and between, I guess, between the grocer and the barber, there was like a bar. I just think it would be gross if they did have the barber shop in the grocer, like Miss Joe slicing you off a hunk of fucking salami. And Mr. Joe sleeping on the couch in the back wall. Andy gives you a buzz cut behind. That's disgusting. Yeah, and they're they're Italians, so so <laughs> it would track. Yeah, it's they're Italians. They're gonna get hair in their food anyway. Is that what you meant by that? Oh yeah, that. Anyway, so the Maggios are sleeping in their bed, and we know this because Andrew came home that night at about two a.m. after a long night of drinking at the bar next door. Uh, he had actually gotten drafted to World War One, and he was. People keep writing celebrating, but I don't think anybody really fucking celebrates when they get drafted to war. I think he was going there to get drunk because he's fucked, you know, like I think he's just like my life is probably I'm mm-hmm. probably dead. So let's get hammered. But when he got home at 2 a.m., he said that Joseph and Catherine were already in bed and they were already sleeping. So all three, I guess, Joe or Andrew went and passed out in his bed and they slept soundly till about 445. When Andrew is awoken by the sound of moaning coming from his brother's room that was directly beside them. Andrew wakes up. I'm assuming, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming he thought he was fucking. He thought him and the wife were fucking. He like smashes on the wall, like shut up in there. There's people trying to sleep. And then the moaning got worse and he realized, oh, they're not fucking. That's uh, something bad's happening. You know, it's not that it's not happy moaning. It's bad moaning. So, Andrew bursts into his brother's room to check on them. Just kidding. Uh, what he does is he runs outside in fear and he goes to get his other brother, his other two brothers who live nearby, uh, which I find hilarious. Like the whole, that's so Italian, you know, like 15 brothers live in within four house lengths. So he runs and he goes to get his brother and he brings his brother posse back uh, to the house grocery store. And they knock down the door of Joseph and Catherine's room to find their brother and his wife in a bloody mess. Catherine was on the floor, essentially decapitated in a pool of her and Joseph's blood. Joseph was laying diagonally on the bed with his feet on the ground beneath his wife. Joseph was actually barely alive, still breathing, moaning. He was the one moaning for fucking someone help me, basically, I'm guessing. (laughs) Or maybe he liked it, I don't know. They call an ambulance. Ambulance shows up. As they get him to into the back of the ambulance, he dies before they can shut the door. I'm sorry, is it 1800 somethings and they had an ambulance? 18, it's 19, 18. 1918. Still, what the fuck is an ambulance in 1918? We don't have roads now. It's just a fucking airboat with some guy going, wee woo, wee woo. 
<laughs> he was going to do that anyway. It's not because it's just happy. <laughs> the Cajun siren on the happiness. In 1918, they would have had cars, but there would have been very few and far between. But yeah. I'm guessing the ambulance would have been one of the very few cars that existed. But it would have had like those big spoke wheels and shit. It wouldn't have been efficient. Because like, right now, we still don't have roads. <laughs> it's a real issue. Oh, my God. It's just a paramedic who's like, hop on. Like, he just carries you, like, backpack. Yeah. <laughs> you probably aren't going to make it, but you can get on if you need. I'm not. Today. We're going slow. <laughs> yeah, the way I got died Italian by my back. Right. <laughs> After investigation, it was shown that the intruder must have jumped the fence around the back of the house, used a chisel to cut out a manhole inside the locked door. So he cut the panel out with a chisel while everyone was sleeping. Jumps through the manhole and he grabs an axe that he found in the backyard and brings it in with him. Then axe in hand walks through their house door and goes into the room where Mr. and Mrs. Joe were sleeping. As they slumber, the axe man slits the throat of Joseph first. Catherine probably wakes up with the warm feeling of blood all over her body. And there was blood splatter seven feet long all the way up the wall onto the ceiling. She gets up to run or tries to fight him off. I'm guessing run because if I saw that, I'd be like shocked. I wouldn't be like, I can save you, Mike. You know what I mean? Like, I think I'd get out of there. You're already covered in blood. So she gets up to run, I'm assuming. And the axe man slits her throat as well. But he gets her real good. He gets her right down to the fucking past the jugular. Kind of like Nicole Brown Simpson, like. Turned her into a human Border, pez. Borderline, yeah. Nice. I, I, I already think I think the brother did it. Sorry if I remember true in the whole point of the show. But the brother's one of the theories for sure. We still get paid. We still get paid, right? Um, yeah. If he oh, yeah. He, it. <laughs> okay. Because yeah, we facilitated sure. it. I thought I, I, I just became like part of, I work with y'all now. So I thought that's what, that what happens. Well, you can uh, work um, with us if you pay us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but th- that that does apply because it's kind of like a therapist, you know. It's like you just you just say things that you already know are true, but they enable you to realize your own feelings. We enable people to solve their own mysteries. It says about I'm taking this about as seriously as I've taken therapy's ever had. So it feels it feels good. <laughs> so you you understand the concept then? Perfect. And I was confused until just now. <laughs> this this episode sponsored by betterhelp.ca anyways <laughs> do you produce a podcast from your own fucking basement and think about maybe not doing anything ever again better help <laughs> from the same computer that you can see your shitty reflection in better <laughs> for the initial slow uh throat slits on both mr and mrs joe he used the straight razor the barber's house it was found at the scene and andrew slept through the whole thing you know, I've been drunk, though. I've passed out. I've slept through a lot of crazy shit before. So I get that part, I guess. But he slept through the whole thing. I mean, I killed my brother and his wife once. And I know how I got away with it. So, yeah. <laughs> but the fun part about the fun, I shouldn't say fun. It's not fun. It's fucking murder. But I mean, it's 100 years ago. But the fun part about the whole thing is that the Axeman's name is the Axeman for a reason. It's not the the Razor Man. So he brought that axe in with him. So he already cut both her throats, but instead he just decides he's going to bash Mr. Maggio's head in with the axe after they're both already throat slit. Is his last name Maggio or DiMaggio? It's Maggio. I wish it was DiMaggio. It would be funnier. (laughs) So close. So, yeah, he had axe slashes all over his body, including his head. He had fractured skull. uh, And he still survived, which I find crazy. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, all the time, fucking get her done, you know. Fucking <laughs> you <laughs> take some bashing and keep whatever bashing that's insulting to Italians. <laughs> I don't. It's not very insulting, actually. It's kind of implying that like Italians are like fucking Toyotas. That's not what I mean at all. Not what I mean at all. Just to clarify, no. I would like to go on record and say that I was not trying to say anything positive. <laughs> oh man, I love Darren. <laughs> This is Bob, by the way. I want to say this. Yeah. Can just hear my voice. Um, this is obviously Bob, or whatever he sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't really know why he did it. I just think it's because he brought it with him. That's why he, he's like, I brought it. I might as well use it. It's heavy. It doesn't waste time. You know what I mean? It doesn't waste actions. Very efficient, man. So the Axeman flees back from the back of the house where he came through the manhole and leaves the axe where they die. Uh, beside the axe, the investigator investigators found a chisel. So that's how they thought he. That's what they, why they thought it was a chisel that he chiseled through the door. No fucking thief. <laughs> I'll smash their heads and slit their fucking throats, but I'm not a fucking thief. I'll leave the axe where I found it. Yeah, exactly. He didn't steal anything either. That's one of the big things about this. None of these were financially motivated. There was an open safe. And there was an empty safe. It was open and empty, but they had just done a huge deposit earlier in the day. So they think that the Maggio's already, like, there wasn't like that was stolen from. Same the Maggio's, and I hear the Maggio every time. Yeah, it's just Maggio, sorry. The Maggio. Yeah, we'll just change it for now. Refer to him as the Maggio, and then you can say it. Yeah. yeah. Sure, why not? <laughs> of, of Maggio. Like this has been the key the whole time. This is why they couldn't solve it, because they kept saying Maggio. It's actually DiMaggio, and if you take the D, anyways... This is how we're going to solve it. So that's why we did it. In the yard next door, detectives Theo Orbitz, or Orbitz, and Harry Dobson, Detective Harry Dobson, find some blood-soaked clothing. It's like the Axeman changed his clothes before leaving. Like he just stripped down, got all the bloody shit off, must have had some sort of backpack or something, or he was Andrew and just got changed in his room. Question real quick. Why Why is it yep. every time we do something old-timey, the names always sound made up as fuck? Yeah, I know. Ha- hey, this is true. Harry Dobson is literally the most fucking made-up detective name, <laughs> especially for the early 1900s. It sounds like a fucking madman character. They should at least go with like a um a New Orleans sound and name or whatever, you know. It's right. not even yeah. I've never heard any of these fucking what? You know, famous fucking Dobson, New Orleans family. They own yeah. Dobson. Dobson. You're actually gonna be shocked, I think, of what the population was early 1900s in uh New Orleans, because I was shocked. I, I will get to it, but I mean there was a lot of fucking Italians, like way more than I thought. Sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> A block down the street, detectives find written on the sidewalk in chalk, quote, Miss Maggio is going to sleep tonight just like Miss Tony. Uh, and then the story hit the paper the next day with headlines like couples hacked to death with axe and sleep. So like they didn't fuck around with headlines back then. They did not make you have to figure out the details. Like we had a couple of clues for you. <laughs> I have a question about this chalk situation. Sure. Doesn't bring a fucking axe, but he brings sidewalk chalk with him. Is this is this where (laughs) (laughs) they're little axes? All every piece of chalk was shaped like an axe. 
Yeah. <laughs> he originally wanted to be known as the New Orleans Chalk Man. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's still alive. The Creole Chalk Man. The Chalk Man never died. <laughs> Oh, it could have been honestly it could have been just like some kids who left their choco while playing hopscotch i don't know if they had chalk like that back then i don't even know how common chalk was they did find a message saying about miss maggio though and about that, miss tony that's southern hospitality at its finest right there yeah exactly <laughs> just a heads up guys um if you uh keep walking this way there's a bloody fucking mess of these italians i left heads up we're, we're gonna talk about god bless Right. And a good day to you, sir. <laughs> After seeing the chalk message, the detectives start pulling up uh, cases from years prior that involve someone with the last name Tony, because they're like, if there's Miss Maggio sleeping, there must have been a murdered lady named Tony. And they came across four other axe murders from 1911. <laughs> That were all victims. <laughs> that were all Italian grocers. They came across like they just had these lying around. They're like, "Well, no one's gonna solve these. Better put them over there." Well, it's not like they had the internet and they just like nobody remembers. It's like ten years, like eight years. Nobody remembers or seven, years, seven years. Been to New Orleans, RJ. They move on. Okay, you gotta learn to move on. It's because they're Italian. <laughs> That's why they're like, "All right, put it in the Italian box. We're never gonna look at it again." True. I, I was right yeah. in the old Italian box. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop talking about my mom. Anyways, the, the four from uh, 1910, they're 1910, 1911, have been done, debunked as Axeman murders because the MO just doesn't match. But a lot of people do mention them if you're going to go, go out and read about the Axeman murders. Wait, no, hold, hold the fuck up. How does, how does the MO not match? It's Italians murdered I, by an axe. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you why. One of them was an axe. Out of all four of those, one of them was an axe. The other thing, they also had guns. The axe was brought, first of all. Some of them were cleavers that people were chopped up with. It wasn't, the guy was called the cleaver when he first came out into the four murders. He wasn't even called the axe man. He was called the cleaver in the papers. They put them together because it's it's easy. But if you look at it from like a today standpoint, he they didn't break in that way. They asked for money. They talked to the, the victims before the guys who came in with the cleavers are like, give us all your money. Now there's no money motivation. Uh, one guy got shot in the fucking head. They brought a revolver to the thing. So uh, it's not really the same, but they are brutal and they all do involve a sharp, heavy blade. So kind of you can put them together, but looking at it from today's lens, they say not really. It starts in 1918. The axe man, the cleaver is a different guy whenever it was got. I think you gotta um, work your way up to axe. I think I think the axe evolution starts with cleaver. You know, that's, that's yeah, true. The cleaver didn't really that's fucking. That's true. Yeah, you know? and then and then it ends with the gun, the secret. It shoots axes. It's a gun. It's an uh. axe shooting gun. <laughs> the next one. So you're talking about the next axe man will be an axe gun guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are you claiming that? Like, is that your legacy or what? <laughs> if. I- <laughs> Man, it's all yours. I'm sorry. You want it. I'm going out in a hail of axes. If I go out, I'm going on a hail of axes. All right. That'd be fucking sick, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it is a good way to die. For sure. I have a couple of unrelated questions, but I guess I don't really. He, he was shot to death with an axe. Well, <laughs> <laughs> <Wallace> is crazy. <laughs> all right. So one of the one of the four victims was last name Tony, though. He was chopped up with, I think that was the one that was shot. So it doesn't really make sense, but it does make sense that they might've been 
connected at some, they must have been connected in some way, but nobody ever caught the connection. It was 1918 and plus it was Italians. Nobody liked Italians, Italians back then. We'll yeah. get into it. <laughs> back then. Well, even now. It never changed. But back then worse. I'd like to be upfront about the fact that I am half Italian and I feel justified in being ethnically unkind to them. My son's not. Oh, half, so if he's half Italian, then yeah, I justify being unkind yeah. to them as well. Cool. <laughs> as long as, as long as I can share that with you. And... Did you say your son's half? Yeah. Well, my ex-wife's from Sicily, so. Oh, New Orleans. honestly, you have way more of a right to hate them than I do. Then, even being yeah, half Italian. Me, <laughs> yeah. Married for four years, and um, still, that was that was eighteen years ago. The bitter taste of garlic is still in your mouth. Oh God. <laughs> that was my favorite part <laughs> easily the best part of that relationship that's fucking hilarious uh, better help <laughs> yeah better help <laughs> if they don't sponsor us just go there anyway they're not going to i'm sorry to burst your bubble <laughs> yeah we have this this podcast that's weirdly racist against Italians asking us to do a sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do we feel about that? Italian is not a race for the record. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I am I'm unhappy with the the verbiage I use there because that is what so many Italian people use. They 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 claim that they are not white, and that drives me crazy. But they hate everyone else that's not white too, from my experience. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the most racist people I've ever met in my Italian life. Race is like um, you know. It's a walking race for sure. It's not. It's not to the top of the uh, the, the dean's list. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a scholastic race. That's for sure. <laughs> I've seen Jersey Shore. I understand. Back to 1918. A little over a month after the Maggio murders, on June 27th, 1918, another Italian grocerist is attacked in the middle of the night. Louis Bessemer, who lived behind his grocery store like the Maggios, and his mistress Harriet Lowe were attacked with his own axe by a shadowy figure in the middle of the night. Bessemer and Lowe were both Polish. Oh, yeah, this guy's not Italian. He's the only one that's not Italian. Hey, Bessemer's not Italian. No, he's the only one who's not. I forgot. I wrote that down. Now I feel bad. Polish? You <laughs> care about the Polacks? I'm sorry. Are they not Italian? That was racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go be straight up with this right off the top. I'm not Polish. I just don't like Polish people. All right. Um, oh, okay. Then yeah, that's fine. Then I'm in Chicago. <laughs> you gotta get him in trouble out there. <laughs> Boulevard or whatever. I am. I gotta look around. The Polish gangs that roam around. <laughs> that's where all the violence in Chicago comes from. The Van Buren boys or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Low or Bessemer and Low were both Polish. They're the only ones that weren't Italian. Sorry, my fault for saying Italian. That's not what I meant. Uh, they were grocers, though. So similarity that way. They were found in a pool of their own blood at 7 a.m. by the bakery delivery man, John Zanka. Louis Bessemer had been hacked in the head with his own axe, fracturing his skull. Lowe was struck with an axe over her left ear, which got hacked off. Her ear actually was severed from her head. Both were still clinging to life, but unconscious. This is what I find. This is the craziest part about the story. This guy's attacking people with axes in their sleep, and he's not killing them. It makes zero sense to me. I don't know how that could even happen. He's just very weak. I mean, what, what are they giving you? Um, this uh, they're saying where this like actually where this happened, the actual address of the um location, perchance. I it did, 
but I didn't include it because I thought it was useless. But obviously, mm -hmm. the, what you're going to ask me for is that uh, it's in the lower French Quarter or something like that. They all a lot of Italians. It was in the French Quarter. Okay, I mean the French Quarter. I don't know small, the streets. But... The streets were there. The streets were there, but I didn't put them down. But obviously, you're going to ask for that. You didn't write that part down, so I don't even really give a shit. I just wanted to bring it up because I knew you didn't do it. No, it's a good way to point <laughs> out how <laughs> how ineffective. I, I guess we are being detectives. Can you, can you, can you detect the location of, of this crime? <laughs> I, could, I could definitely tell you. It would just take me a couple seconds. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, no, our listeners don't want the facts, please. Yeah. Just, just the bullshit. <laughs> just, actually, just make up an address. I doubt anyone will double check it. 652 Jerry Street. Jerry Street. Nice. Uh, that sounds fake. <laughs> uh, and that, Jerry uh, lo local... <laughs> Locals know not to, if you're Polish, don't go down 625 Jerry Street after dark. Especially yeah, the six, six and 700 specifically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Bessemer actually recovered from his injuries, getting smashed in the head twice with a fucking axe. But Lowe died on August 5th, seven weeks after the initial attacks. Seven weeks. Yeah. She didn't die from the wounds, though. She died two days after a surgery to repair the fucked up nerves in her ear area where her head was chopped half chopped off uh so she died in surgery trying to repair her fucking already smashed up face i think i think it still counts though right yeah i guess so it also probably is heavily dependent on what nerve surgery in fucking 1918 looked like because <laughs> yeah, exactly. i like i'm picturing it's probably as like gentle and and delicate as hitting her in the side of the head with a fucking axe so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So now the way we fix the, the nerve damage is we hit her with the other side of the axe, the blunt side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just reverse it. Bessemer and Lowe were actually in the center of like a media frenzy after the attack, not really because of the attack, but because of what the shit Lowe was saying when she was came out of it. She was all smashed up and she was saying she was crazy. She, she was saying that Bessemer, he was a German spy. Uh, and she could prove it because he had letters in the house that were in all sorts of different languages. Well, I mean, we can't rule it out. Oh, you here we go. Spy theories. I do love the spy theories. When because when do spy theories not work? When they're Polish spies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can hear Darren changing his theory as we speak. So the part of the media frenzy thing. I'm just trying to summarize it real quick because it's kind of stupid. But I mean. They said that they were husband and wife when the attack happened and everyone was saying his wife was attacked. And then his real wife came back from, she was in like Chicago or something. She showed up back and she's like, I'm actually married to Bessemer. This is just his mistress. So then they started to not trust Lowe because she was saying, everyone was trying to arrest Louis. They were trying to get him, put him in jail right away because they wanted to get the media off the whole thing. So him being a German spy, fuck, that's perfect. Let's make that guy the bad guy for sure. But then the wife came and she's like, no, this guy's my my husband. And uh, I don't know what the fuck this chick's talking about. Wait, so they didn't vet? They didn't like look into the woman at all? They were just like, yeah, no, yeah, you're his, his wife. It's 1918. What are they, they don't have the internet. Okay, but then, okay, if they didn't know what they were talking about because it was the year, what did they do when the other one came back? And then they had to figure it out. It was like, oh, fuck it, this guy just has got two wives, I guess. No, he was like, they were, they were lying because that girl didn't want to be called a whore back in the day, really. You know what I mean? They, they were just like trying to save face. All it did was prove that she was lying and then she died. 
Interestingly enough, though, on the day she died, which was August 5th of 1918, another alleged attack from the Axemen took place. Uh, 28-year-old pregnant Anna Schneider was awoken by a dark figure standing over her in the middle of the night. The figure then bashed her face in with a lamp that had been sitting on the nearby table. Uh, her scalp had been cut and her face was full of blood. The Axeman uh, had broken through the window, which had been uh, which had been shown to be forced to be open. So she he like jammed through the and then they they also had like mosquito netting over everyone back then mm. because there was no AC and shit like that. So yeah. they'd crack the windows, but nobody wanted to get bitten by mosquitoes. So everyone would have so the axeman like actually cut through the mosquito webbing too. But he can't bash their heads in properly. He would they woke up, she woke up before even he could do anything. Can we talk about the Schneider last name not being Italian also? She's she's Italian though. Sorry. How the fuck is she Italian? Last name Schneider. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Don't ask me. Her husband might not have been Italian, but she was. Maybe her husband was what's Schneider? What would that be? Jewish? Yeah. Maybe maybe he was a German spy trying to ingratiate himself with the Italian community, but then for <laughs> some reason did not change his last name. None of the people in this we are burning Italian story are Italian. <laughs> Someone should have noticed that by now, is all I'm saying. I, I personally of uh, the the Anna Schneider one, I don't think is the Axeman. Personally, I because it's he doesn't even use yeah. an axe in this one. He just smashes her with a uh with a lamp. Yeah, you know, which so I, she, I would I would like to say I doubt in the middle of the night she was awoken by a dark figure standing over her. I'm pretty sure she was probably awoken by the lamp. Smashing her head. Yeah, I think that would be the see so she survived. So this is from her account. So I, I don't know. I Maybe don't believe she, her. I feel like I, I gotta say I feel like I missed or we missed. There's like a Van Gogh joke in that last that last scenario. We <laughs> like, yeah, can we rewind real quick? <laughs> I've been putting it together. Can't put, it's in there somewhere with the whole ear getting chopped in. Fucked up yeah. that opportunity. <laughs> she was all smashed up, and she was found uh, by her husband, Ed, at around midnight that night. Uh, she survived uh, the whole thing, and she gave birth to a healthy baby girl two days after the accident. I believe she's Italian now. Yeah. <laughs> Converted. <laughs> she wasn't even pregnant before the attack. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> she mysteriously god, got pregnant god bless her uh her survival with a, a new a new brand new baby <laughs> yeah. the, the only reason they like attribute this to the axe man at all is because it wasn't financially motivated and it was in the middle of the night looming over top of her bed there was no axe involved with this one but the ones from 1911 where they're all axed to death in italians those definitely weren't him there's a seven-year gap between them, too. Usually serial killers, if they're going to keep killing, they're going to just start going more and more often until a rampage happens. They're not going to take... Usually, if they're going to take cool-down periods, they're going to kill, take a year off. Kill, take six months off. Kill, take three months off. Kill, 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 kill rampage, get caught. Like, not kill a bunch of guys for... Take seven years off. But there's there's people that say that maybe he was in jail. He was in the military. He was sent off somewhere. Or he just traveled the country. Who knows? You're right. I, I just don't, I don't, the way they read, it doesn't read the same. And people have said like a lot of Axeman experts have discounted them. So I kind of just took about, otherwise this episode could go on forever. Yeah. Please continue with your detective. Work. Okay. All right. <laughs> After the Schneider attack though, is when they start connecting these things together. So that's the only good part that comes out of the Schneider, whether it's an Axeman or not. They said, oh, guys been breaking into people's houses in the middle of the night and uh, assaulting people. 
So that's why that's why they started connecting them because of Schneider. Whether she did it or not, that's fine. So five days after that attack, Joseph Romano, another Joseph and another Italian grocer, was attacked by the Axemen. Romano lived with his two very young nieces, Pauline and Mary Bruno, and in the early morning hours of August 10th, 1918, heard a commotion in their uncle's room. When the two nieces entered the room, they saw their uncle covered in blood with serious blows to the head. He had two significant head wounds, and the nieces called for an ambulance right away. They were 15 and 13, I believe. As they found their uncle, they saw the assailant fleeing the scene with an axe in his right hand. The two teenage girls described him as a heavyset, dark-skinned man wearing a dark suit and a slouched hat. So now it starts getting weird because he's a heavyset dude climbing through a fucking door panel. You know, he, keep, he keeps the axe all of a sudden. Earlier, he, he left. He used the axe from the house and left it there. Yeah, no, he actually drops it outside when he leaves. But he takes it. He runs out with it. He leaves it there, though. Basically, it, it was oh. found there too. It was their axe. I like how they added in the dark-skinned. You know. Let's just throw someone under the bus who's dark-skinned. Why not? It goes to say that they think it might be a Sicilian because the Sicilian had the darker... What I, what I want to I know who those people were that they talked to, though. Were they white? They're Italian. Everybody's, everybody's Italian, right? Yes. It was the two girls. His nieces saw them him running out. The two young Romano girls, their last names are Romano. They're Italian as well. They lived in the house with the attack. They their uncle was being attacked. I, I didn't I didn't realize it was the nieces. I thought I thought you were saying two like random people outside saw it. They're repeating this to the police officers after the attack happened. Okay, got it. Yes. Got that. Their uncle Joe Romano was highly injured, but he was able to walk and get up into the ambulance. The axeman did the same thing as the other. He like chiseled out the door panel and squeezed through there. Apparently, uh, the bloody axe was found in the backyard, much like the other scenes. Unfortunately. Two days later, even after though he, even though he walked out with the ambulance, he died of his injuries in the hospital. So head injuries are fucked up, man. Bob Saget just died that way. You know, go get your head checked. You get smashed. That's how Bob Saget died. <laughs> head injury. Yeah. I just assumed he was. Old. I didn't even read any of the articles. I just assumed old. I, th- I thought drugs. Yeah, I thought it was going to be drugs too. Yeah. Um. So I after a shitty full house joke, but. I'm not going to make it because Bob Saget. His Aristocrats bit is the best one in the Aristocrats. I didn't know Bob Saget was in the Aristocats. Was he the, was he the one playing piano? Yes, he was in the Aristocats for sure. Meow, meow, fucking meow. That's cool, dude. He's had such a rich filmography. <laughs> <laughs> so after Joseph's murder, uh, it was becoming apparent there was a trend and it wasn't going unnoticed by anyone. The citizens, the police, the media were putting this all together. All of this was being reported by the local media. What was happening in New York, New Orleans, I saw it described as extreme chaos. This guy was kind of starting to be described as the American Jack the Ripper. Uh, but like I said, he Americanizes the fuck out of it with an axe. You know, that's way cooler than the fucking Jack the Ripper. And, and Italian and, immigrants instead of whores. And apparently he's fat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 He might as well be draped in like a American flag cape or something. Yeah, exactly. A, a very large American flag cape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're in the papers. They were starting to put stuff on the cover of the paper. Like who's the next Italian to die from the ax man. Like that's how much panic was getting thrown around. Like seriously. It was 
it was the sports section of, of, of paper they were taking bets. Yeah, yeah, Coliseum <laughs> sports section. Uh, it actually said Italians in New Orleans were starting to wonder who was the next victim. Like that's what it said on the paper. Well, yeah, I mean, knowing Italians, they were all just running to bet on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so people were starting to arm themselves, staying up all night, guarding their houses, pistols, melee weapons in hand. They weren't helping the situation. The media wasn't helping the situation either. Enter retired Italian police detective John Dantonio. Dan Tonio. Don Dan Tonio. Don John Tonio. Got it. Yeah, John Dan Tone. Is he one of the three Musketeers? I guess so. Yeah, uh, D'Artagnan. John D'Artagnan. John D'Artagnan. That was. He starts telling everyone that the recent slew of murders were connected to the four from 1911. So he starts actually adding more fuel, like the axe man's back. D'Antonio cited the similarities in the attacks and described whoever was doing these things. Jesus Christ, this is a fucking stupid sentence. I am sounded out. D'Antonio cited the similarities in the attacks and describes whomever is doing these attacks as being committed by someone who has a dual personality. Uh, like a Jekyll and Hyde. He was saying basically something we would describe as a fucking serial killer now, compartmentalizing mm. kills and living a normal life during the day, just killing oh. random people at night. Yeah, Detective uh, Tony Tone Tonio is ahead of his time there. <laughs> <laughs> he described a serial killer without knowing what a serial killer was, basically. Hmm. You, you joke, but he owns at least 3% of Giorno's now. So, I mean, fuck off. He's responsible for the rising crust. <laughs> the drop in crime. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. So, yeah. Now, now everyone's super scared. and Everyone's seeing the Axeman everywhere. Um, Axeman related stuff. Axeman, like people are finding axes in their backyard, calling the cops. You know, like, the Axeman was here. Uh, the X-Men was reported to police on many different occasions as being seen lurking in back alleys. So I guess some fat guys with slow chats were in back alleys and I was like, the X-Men's there. Um, There's one incident where a man was caught sleeping in someone's backyard and they're like, X-Men and chased him off. So everyone was the X-Men after this. That's an awesome approach. A great approach to capturing the X-Men is, is to run him off when he's sleeping. Yeah, when he was sleeping though. So they, cha- yeah. they, they, they go, X-Men's there. And they got police, 40 police officers and 2,000 citizens chased this fucking guy uh, around the streets of New Orleans. They couldn't catch him, though. They never found him. Uh, but they got, they got wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> so it was probably not the Axeman, right? But they got so many people to chase a random dude that was sleeping and they never found him? Exactly. Well, he wasn't sleeping while they were chasing him. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you. That was yeah, Rick, you fucking on. idiot. <laughs> I thought. I mean, I, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so all the panic going around. There was so much panic running around the city at this time. I think the axe man, whoever he or she was, I'm mean, whoever she was, axe person. Uh, I like axe it. Axe person. Yeah, axe axe woman. Axe day. Um, so with all the panic brewing around the city, the Axeman took a few months off. I think he saw the, he was like, I'm not going to kill anyone for a bit. Everyone's watching for me. Maybe he just was do, doing his cool down period. I don't know. He just. Hide your axe. Don't, just don't leave your axe outside. That probably would have mitigated a lot of. Yeah. <laughs> put, put your axe away. 
I right. will never. I want to live in a free country where I can put my ass wherever I want. I'm not going to live Well, here. that's what they all crammed into that little steamboat all the way from Sicily for, was to live in a land <laughs> of plenty of places somebody to made, put your axe. Germany on Facebook <laughs> prior to somehow. <laughs> I think I figured it out. They They weren't able to find him because they the Italians have all these pipes that they can just jump into at any time. And then they pop out of another one. <laughs> There's this elaborate system. There's no way to find the guy. Maybe the ax man wasn't fat. Maybe he just ate a mushroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little bit bigger than everybody. So he's in a cool off period or something. Nobody really knows what it is. There's a lot of theories as to why he wasn't killing. There was a Spanish flu rolling around in 1918. So maybe he was just sick. You know, maybe you just couldn't kill. Uh, there's a lot of things. Uh, maybe he was an anti-vaxxer and he didn't want to isolate. He wanted to isolate. I don't know. I wanted to live in Nazi Germany. He walked into a turtle <laughs> shell. World War Two, World War One was coming to an end around that time, too. So maybe there was just family coming into town or something. You know, Italians and their family. So for seven months. <laughs> Who knows? They're just there's just a lot of reasons people say maybe he had a girlfriend. Who knows? Maybe whatever. But he didn't start killing again until March 10th, 1919. Uh, this time he was in Gretna, Louisiana. I guess the, I, from what I understand, that's just across the river. That's not like it's far yeah, from. It's, it's still New Orleans, West Bank. Then, still mm-hmm. West Bank. So it's not even out of. How far would it be to drive to New Orleans? From a, a part of New Orleans that matters to anyone to Gretna. Um, it's like an eternity. But it's like three miles. <laughs> oh, you don't, okay. don't want to go there. I promise. They have, uh, unless it's Gretna Fest, then you can go see uh, Steve Winwood or somebody of that nature. <laughs> go Walsh. Well, sign me up. <laughs> right. Sounds like a pleasant time. And probably hitting the head with a bottle. Nice. He comes with a ticket to Gretna. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, March 10th, 1919, uh, in the middle of the night, Rosie Cortamiglia woke up to her husband, Charles, wrestling with a large man wielding an axe. Their two-year-old daughter, Mary, was asleep with them in bed And when the commotion began. Once her husband was shot to the floor, heavily injured, the axeman turned his rage to Rosie and Mary. Rosie begged for their lives, but the axeman brought his axe over his head and he plunged it into the mother and daughter with no remorse. As screams retched out of the house, a neighbor and fellow grocer, 69-year-old E. Orlando Giordano, and his 18-year-old son, Frank, went to investigate the commotion. They found Charles on the ground in a pool of his blood, unconscious, and Rosie standing in the door with a serious head wound, clutching her recently deceased daughter in her hands. Uh, what was the neighbor's name? Somebody. E. e. Orlando Giordano. What was his son's name? Frank. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. Yeah, yeah, no, that's okay. And we will call him. Uh... <laughs> so Charles and Rosie were rushed to the hospital. In addition to their many axe slashes, they both had skull fractures, but they both survived. Uh, this guy is batting fucking very low on the kill people with axe while they're sleeping. Well, you got one of them. The... He's, not, he's not batting cleanup, that's for sure. He's like the eighth, eighth in the lineup. <laughs> He's one for three that night. Yeah, he got the baby, though. That's like a half. He doesn't even get a full Yeah, point. no, he that's good. Full... I mean, axes are slow. Babies are small, and they can, you know. I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. That's that's actually better kill because that's it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Are we seeing a baby yeah. the hard target? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, we are. For, for an axe. I mean, I feel like oh, it's a- got you got like a good three seconds from the backswing to get out of the way. So honestly, <laughs> that one's on the baby. Only functional human. <laughs> actually a person. It totally makes sense, though. It's like stealing candy from an adult. <laughs> With an axe. Fair um, point. I, I find the fact that they survived it is probably worse, though. They probably should have wanted to die after that. Their baby got slashed in front of them, and they're like, why didn't we die? Like, that's probably worse. I mean, good with the bad. Think of the free time. There's no, no one <laughs> hogging your bed at night now. <laughs> Without that oh God, the little heater between us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, you know, that first night you go to bed without the baby there, you're going to be stretching your legs out. You'll be sad. Then you're like, ooh, so much space. First 22 months were a, were a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was last two. The MO matched uh, the Axeman to the T almost. Nothing was stolen. Chiseled door to get in the house. Bloody axe owned by the Cordomiglia family left near the scene of the crime. Charles Cordomiglia and E. Orlando were friends until just recently when they had a falling out because the grocery store that Frank and E. Orlando had just opened up near the Cordomiglia. So they just opened a new competing business. Like, why would you do that? We just, we were friends, but they were pissed about them. Rosie pegs E. Or, e. Giordano or whatever, E. Orlando as the, mur- as the attackers were responsible. Oh. Pegged them as the person responsible <laughs> for the attack. Like that's that's some quality revenge if she pegged him. Yeah, Charles. In fact, said his wife is crazy. They didn't do anything. I don't know what you're talking about. My wife's nuts. She got hit in the head with an axe. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Ultimately, the two were arrested, Orlando and Frank. Uh, and Rosie's testimony was enough to get Orlando and his son put in his son Frank put in jail for the rest of their life and sentenced to death, respectively. So Frank was on death row. Wow. I'm, now I'm confused. Why? What happened with their? They? What did they do? Rosie, the one that got hit, like the one that had the big dead baby in her hand. She yeah. said it was their neighbors. She said it was them who did it. So the cops believed her, even though her husband was like, "No, they didn't do it. She's crazy. I don't know what she's talking about." The cops yeah. still arrested them. Still got her to put in jail. They still got the old man got life in jail, and the young guy got. He was six foot two. He was big for the time, but he like. Big for an Italian. They carried it out. They killed him. Executed. No, we we're going to get to it. No, they didn't get him. They, they she recants her statement. Rosie recants her statement a year later. They killed her. <laughs> no, she never got in trouble. They like kind of dropped it because she lost her kid. They were like, let's just leave this whole thing be. Let's get them out of jail. She just said it was out of jealousy and spite that she even accused her neighbors. They made a store next door. Somehow I feel like they just dropped it without consulting Frank and Orlando. Because if that were me, I would, I might be like, no, well, no, hold on. Wait a minute. Uh, no, no, no. We're just going to drop it. She's grieving. You're overlooking the forgiving nature of the Italian people. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> the understanding of forgiving nature. The, the, the grudgeless Italians. Yes, is a, yes. Of just... the, without, without feud or rage. We're going to learn about, we're going to learn about Italian vendetta very soon. Even vendetta is Italian. That's an Italian last name. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it's an Italian term. Vendetta. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, they were released about a year later after being arrested. Nothing. Maybe they did do some sort of vendetta, but it was not uh, publicized and it was a hundred years ago. So a couple days after the attack on the court of Miliglias on March 13th, 
1919, the Axeman writes a letter to the local paper, the Times-Picayune, which they print. It's still in print. Is it really? Yeah, the Times-Picayune is, is the, the only, paper. The only paper in New Orleans that still exists in the flesh or whatever. Yeah, still just waiting for people to learn how to read. They're still trying to... <laughs> so here's the letter in its entirety. It's a little long, but it's awesome. It's like my favorite part of the whole story. The letter starts with this. Hell, March 13th, 1919. Like he's saying he's from hell uh, right off the bat, which makes him kind of more like the Jack the Ripper of America because Jack the Ripper would sign his notes with from hell, right? Esteemed immortal, they have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth, I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from your hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish foolies call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know who my they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of whom I have sent low to keep me company. Redundant. Yeah. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at, at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc. <laughs> like, what is who's Francis Joseph? They just said his satanic majesty... And Francis Joseph, is that like the guy, this is right-hand man? Is that Satan's right-hand man I didn't know about? Francis Joseph? Frankie anyway. Joe? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say he can go way back. Uh, but of Gentleman Lutrucci, Frank. <laughs> Frank, yeah. <laughs> but tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they never born than to incur the wrath of the axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orlidians think of me as the most horrible murderer, which I am. But I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. And at will, I can slay thousands of your best citizens. I'm in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, here's where it gets hilarious to me. This might as well be written in Italian. Now, to be exact, at 12.15 earthly time, on next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music. And I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing and at time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going well, then so much better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of you people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. So you got to jazz it out. That's a really great way to take the sting out of all the hell stuff. <laughs> like what what was all the build-up for if you're just gonna make it unnecessary i am a demon from hell here to kill you 
but let's play some jazz. I like the jazz music. <laughs> Unbelievable. Here we go. Is the last set, last paragraph. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, it, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt publish this, that I may go well with, with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fantasy. The X-Men. I'm going to say realm of fantasy, the whole thing. Thoughts on that? Anything that's funny to come up before I start keep going with this? I'm I'm beyond confused. <laughs> Everything. What are you confused about? I I'm still trying to figure out how hell and jazz overlap. Oh, jazz was like jazz was like the the bad people music. New Orleans then and now now too it was like a mixture of a lot of different cultures, right? So like black people were making jazz. They invented jazz, like modern jazz. So white people were like. That's the devil's music. The black people made it. Yeah. You know, back then it was so, cool. Uh, today, though, I, I from my own personal experience, I can say that I have a hard time choosing between being struck with an axe in my sleep and having to listen to jazz. So from that perspective, hell, <laughs> jazz, one in the same. Uh, I'm I'm not a fan. You see this figure with an axe in the night. Um, I'll tell you what. Oh, sorry. Keep going. All of it. All jazz. You don't like any of it. I I don't get. I don't know if it's just because uh, I have anxiety or or what. I don't like the unpredictability of it. It's not comfortable to listen to. There's nothing soothing about just the erratic nature of it. I don't. I don't care for it. Okay. I was just curious. I don't yeah, like. Yeah. No. That's. <laughs> <laughs> no further comment. <laughs> Well, what do you think happened? What do you think happened from this letter? Uh, probably the most awful thing anyone's ever heard for hours on end for one night in New Orleans. <laughs> Each and every jazz club on the night of the 19th was packed. Party. Everybody party. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You party. Professional and amateur bands filled the city with the sounds of jazz. People were hiring bands to play in their houses. And if they couldn't afford a band to play at their house, they went out to, they put on the record player and they're blasting jazz. Can- uh, and can you imagine sorry? how fucking horrible that would sound? Just, <laughs> uh, like a hundred thousand different jazz tracks all just blaring at the same time. Honestly, it would actually probably not sound any different than one jazz track blaring. So, yeah. <laughs> and I was trying to interrupt you before you get to the chase. I don't think that radios are as loud back then, though. You know, they had like a horn thing on top of it. I mean, they were probably scared of shit, so they probably did whatever they could to bump that shit. <laughs> yeah, everyone was terrified, so everyone played jazz whether they liked it or not. And the axe, I like how the axe man promised there were no murders that night. Uh, the jazz filled streets kept them at bay. Yeah, no, that that were me. Come kill me. I have no respect for a murderer that keeps his word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nothing sacred, you know what I mean? We can believe this fucking guy. Fuck that. Get out of here. Yeah. There here's here's what the people do now. So when they see the letter in the newspaper, some citizens sent their own letters to the paper to be published. One citizen invited the axeman to come kill him. He must have been like, I don't want to hear all the jazz that night. Just come kill me. Like <laughs> RJ. It's like, yeah. just print that. Just tell him to come to my house. Uh another citizen uh wrote a letter and asked the axeman was gonna kill them. If you're gonna kill me, 
just don't break our door. I'll leave the window open. That's what another letter said. <laughs> I just put the door in. I don't want to be killed. And my door I, broke. Not, like I leave New Orleans as fuck for some reason. I don't know. I can't pinpoint <laughs> that. It feels like it. Okay, I fucking the, respect the shit out of that answer though. That's New Orleans as fuck. It really is. It's like, um, I, I like I love. If you're gonna kill me, kill me. Don't break my fucking door. Don't be a All fucking right. dick about it. You know. Yeah, the day after the, the, the letter was printed in the paper, there was a song written about the Axeman. Uh, it was called The Mysterious Axeman Jazz. Don't scare me, Papa. In, in, uh, of course it was. That's, that is exactly the name I would have made up for it. Yeah, written by John Joseph Davila. I have it. I, I could play it for you guys if you want to hear it, but meh, it's not good. It sucks. Um, <laughs> he wrote it in like four hours. You know, it was, uh, <laughs> he was under pressure. Yeah. Well, one of the funny things and we'll talk about it in the theory. I might just say this part again, but it, one of the funny things is there was a, a guy like an organ grinder who was hired that night to run up and down the streets of New Orleans playing this song. So a lot of the people think that this guy just fucking Joe, John Joseph Davila sent the letter in to promote his song because he knew fucking everyone was going to buy it after. Right. He's a goddamn genius. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty yeah, hilarious. I, I give him credit for the hustle. Yet another example of the Times Picayune getting fucking tricked into advertising for a jazz. <laughs> Count on how many hands? How many times that's happened? <laughs> yeah, that was in March uh, when the when the, the jazz stuff. So he held off till August 1919, but the, he came back to his old tricks. He didn't go away permanently, but he definitely stayed away for a bunch of months. Waited for the jazz to die down. On uh, the 10th of August, in the middle of the night, Steve Boko woke up with an axe in his head. He's, he's a dark... Wait a second. <laughs> yep. can, you, can you just reread that last sentence for me, please? On the 10th of that month, in the middle of the night, Steve Boko woke up to an axe or with an axe in his head. That's the problem. He got That's smacked in the head. That's how he woke up. Okay. Uh, uh, he said he saw a dark figure looming over his bed. Then he lo- lost consciousness, which another guy that fucking survived. Uh, the axeman flees his house, leaving the axe behind. Uh, after regaining consciousness, Boca runs to the street to find out what the hell just happened. And this is where he realizes he's bleeding from his head wound. So I guess he didn't even really notice he got hit until... Enough to wake him up, but not enough to keep him from investigating. Was the axe still <laughs> in his head as he ran out into the street? Yeah. yeah. That's this how is, he some, is, this, is there something weird about my head right now? I'm carrying my vision. Yeah. Did they <laughs> did they have like fingerprinting available in 1918? <laughs> they did? fingerprinting was was invented okay so so if that so if he still had the murder weapon in his head he just like saved italians forever okay Okay. fingerprinting was exists he didn't actually have the axe in his head the fingerprinting did exist but people weren't using it as a common practice in police forces yet so people weren't fingerprinting thing it was like very very brand new Uh, we don't really buy this fingerprinting bullshit yeah, until they realized they could use it to frame people, then they were all over that. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Oh, did you say black people have this too? Let me get on that. <laughs> Who else has fingerprints? <laughs> well, if you look at the if you look at the inner swirl, you can clearly tell that this man was of color. Uh, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So he goes and passes out outside after he figures out they after like I said nothing was taken from the house the back door was fucking chiseled out again all axe man stuff uh he did survive but he said he didn't remember anything from the incident all he remembers is seeing a guy and then passing out you got your head smashed in with an axe maybe you don't remember something I'll give him that is there any way that this is like just a bunch of proud Italians and like they're chopping wood and they miss 
and they just don't want to admit it. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's all a big scary guy. So my, <laughs> a related question. We don't live in New Orleans. 30 degrees every fucking day. I don't know anyone that owns an axe. You know yeah, I mean? but back then they didn't have uh, like heating like they do now. Like they, everyone would have to have. I haven't turned wood for ten years. I guess so. Point? You live in a place where it's not cold. Yeah, it's like the northern point of the Caribbean. There's no need for. Yeah, but this was yeah, pre-Katrina, true. so the weather was completely different. Uh, that's a solid point. Barely, mm. barely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to cook, they wouldn't have wood stove. Like they'd have wood oh, stove to true. cook, right? Like there'd yeah. be there'd be wood needed back then. It wouldn't make be some calzone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How are they gonna make their pizza? Yeah. Not, it is yeah. wood, wood fire. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'll tell you what. I didn't even know that tonight's episode was about Italians, and I had mozzarella sticks. So, <laughs> yeah, really? that the classic traditional Italian cuisine of <laughs> cheese sticks. You Look joke. You. you joke. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'm fucking I, cultured, all right. <laughs> I dipped them in some nice fine ketchup sauce. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Axeman's not done yet. He's got one more. Uh, less than a month later, on September 3rd, the Axeman climbs through a window of a single and living alone Sarah Lawman. Uh, when she's sleeping, she is beaten so badly with the axe that she's found unconscious with a massive head injury on her bed, she missing several two? teeth. Jesus. <laughs> also, same MO, bloody axe left on the scene on the front lawn. Sarah also survived, but she also said she doesn't remember the attack. She doesn't remember anything from the attack. And then the last but not least, the Axeman strikes one more time. Uh, this time, it's almost Halloween. It's October 27th. Esther Pepitone was awakened by a loud noise that night. Uh, the mother of six rushed into uh, her bedroom just in time to see an axe-wielding man of large stature running out of the room. When she enters the room, she sees her husband, Mike Pepitone, laying in a bloody mess. He had been struck in the head so violently that blood spatter covered the majority of the room, including their painting of the Virgin Mary. And the reason I say the Virgin Mary painting thing, it has nothing to do with anything. But for some reason, it's important because it's in every fucking article I read about Pepitone. So I was like, I got to write that. I got to say it out loud for everyone because it's in every article. She's a virgin. Come on. Come on. (laughs) That's the official end of the Axeman murders. There's some murders uh, in the late 20s. Or sorry, in the early 20s that some people consider to be Axemen, but have also been dub bombed. It's an easy way to tell. It's not him because they died. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. He doesn't, um, he's fucking, there were mostly survivors. <laughs> There's six, six people died. 12 people, or six people died. 12, sorry, six people died. Six people injured. Okay, but one, one of them was two years old. So you round down. That's not even... Mm gonna count yeah no i agree i think this and this guy should have way better kill ratio whoa he killed vincent van gogh's old lady during surgery he killed a baby that's all i remember dying and this that's and true time. that's true if those two are trying to be attributed to that count he's down to four pump those numbers pump those numbers <laughs> if you carry the one the remainder of fuck this guy <laughs> So that's all the murders, and I'll just kind of go through the theories now, and then you guys can interject here too. Mafia. Uh, <laughs> so that's the first theory. Basically, it's not really a theory; it's just kind of like, anyway. So it's got the theory vendetta, the vendetta. <laughs> this theory it says that there's not really a specific one axe man. That's awesome. 
it comes down to cultural differences with the Italian population uh, being so thick in the New Orleans area. <laughs> so in the late 19th century, after the Civil War, plantation owners were looking for cheap labor to replace their now illegal slave workforce. <laughs> New Orleans but already had a pretty big we, Italian population. Sorry, Can we backpedal for a second and how you just referred to Italians like they're smog? They're thick. Yeah. You said the Italian population was thick, like <laughs> it was hanging in the air like pollution. New Orleans already had a pretty big Italian population and New Orleans before the Civil War. But once sugarcane and cotton plantations were hiring, Sicilian immigrants flooded to into the port of New Orleans. By 1900, New Orleans had the biggest Italian population in the South, about 20,000 immigrants, including their children, mostly Sicilians. Sicilian immigrants were known to be... Uh, they wanted to get out of being working in the shitty, so they'd save their money. They wouldn't spend their money on, they're frugal. They didn't waste their money you're on frugal. Not, what does the article say? What word does the article say that you're not using? Um, if they're just trying to, like, the reason I'm saying it this way instead of going, it's because it's like fucking five paragraphs for them to say that these Italians like to save their money. We don't like them because they save their money because then they just leave the workforce. That's basically what they're saying. They're like, these guys are too frugal. They don't spend their money. So we always lose our Italians. They go off and make their own fruit stands or whatever. They're not participating so they, they, in their God-given right to capitalism. That's yeah. their biggest offense. So that's basically what the, the, the stage of this would be. They would go immigrate, go work on the plantation, save for a couple of years, open up like a little fruit stand or something, save up for a couple of years doing that, and then open up a grocery store. And then buy a, a gold chain with a shark tooth on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spray tan. <laughs> can, I, can I say that, that that is literally my landlord's legacy? Uh, well, <laughs> my old landlord, I own a home now. I'm no longer underneath the thumb of an Italian. I, uh, he, he is family. <laughs> It's easy to slip out because it's all covered in olive oil. But uh, he, his family, <laughs> did. Uh, they they literally opened up a fruit stand around here, and then it was a grocery store. And now they just own fucking business after business after business after like a hundred years. It is the classic Italian American dream. Here's something I didn't really know about the Italian stuff. Like since Sicilians had a darker skin tone than the white people that worked, uh, and they also worked alongside the black workers in the plantations, white people were like calling them all dagos. That's where the dago yep. names like they might, they're just as bad as Negroes. They're dagos. They're just as bad as the Chinese. They're untrustworthy yes. saving people. They're pieces of shit. And while that is very racist and horrible, uh, I will never forgive them for that. Not because it's racist, but because it is all annoying Italians we'll talk about now uh, in perpetuity, even though they're effectively living in 2022 and white for all intents and purposes and gaining all the yeah. privilege from that. They will never let you forget something that happened 100 years ago to them. Not even that. <laughs> And they own they own like what sixty two percent of MTV. <laughs> Is that true? Is it uh, no, I don't know. I got the joke. It was a good joke. It was a good joke. That's crazy if it is true. The exact number no, is true. would be really weird, especially that specifically. Yeah. So just so you guys know, by eighteen eighty, seven percent of all grocers in New Orleans were Italian owned. By nineteen hundred, nineteen percent, and by nineteen twenty, half the grocers were Italian owned in New Orleans. 
So with a large influx of Sicilians came the ways from the old country. In the old country, Sicilians didn't trust the police and took care of their issues themselves, if you know what I mean. So the immigrants, uh, so as the immigrants came to America, they were same issues. They didn't want to trust the police and they wouldn't go to the authorities if there was any problems. They'd just do the vendetta, which is a, basically an Italian term for a blood the NOPD is very trustworthy. I just want to, I just want to go on the record and say that the New Orleans Police Department, you can definitely trust them. Yeah, so I don't know what they're talking about with that one. <laughs> is that sar- is that sarcasm? Because uh, well, feel- good. I was like, is he being serious right now? Because I absolutely fucking big, not. Big- no, <laughs> no, not at yes. all. So they they just did their own thing, and I think this is why a lot of the the people didn't remember the attacker because it was some sort of Italian vendetta uh, coming back at them, like a grocer up the street didn't like the fact that you opened up a fucking grocery store, so they called the black the hand. hand, which is what they called the mafia. Yeah, you don't you don't get you don't take my extortion, you don't pay for my uh, my fifty dollars a month or whatever for protection then it come fuck you up like it, the classic extortion story <laughs> uh, you pay me to protect you from me you know same thing yeah yeah <laughs> in the in the late 1800s early 1900s decanter street had so many stabbings and gun fate fights it was nicknamed vendetta alley so i don't know if decanter street means something to you but i think that was kind of fun Deca- decanter street they spelled that wrong okay decanter street autocorrect probably changed it to De- decanter you know when i was typing <laughs> Like I said, the black hand, the mafia would settle all their scores for them. Uh, the authorities wouldn't even help them, even if they went to them anyway. They'd just call them stupid Dagos. Do you know where that comes from? I don't, I don't know where Dago comes from. I do. I just, uh, it's because they would work alongside the Negroes. So they just started calling them Dagos because they're like bright. They're not as dark. So it's like a Dagro. Like it came from being like, it's just, yeah, it's. Just racism, running. Yeah, totally. I know that uh, uh, where the, you know, without papers is also like a, a WAP. Yeah, without yeah, papers. Yeah. Yeah, that's. It's, I knew it. I just didn't know where. Yeah, I think this is why Rosie, the one that lost her, her baby or whatever, and Charles probably denied it because he knew it was Vendetta, but she was like, "You, you went too far. You killed my kid, so I'm going to tell on you." And then Vendettas just go worse and worse with these mafia types, so they shut their mouth. I think the mafia probably would have like a crazy axe guy that would break into houses and do axe shit. You know what I mean? That that he could, the axe man could just be a hitman or like someone like that or someone who would, would just take a fucking axe from a house and kill someone and fucking psychos. And they probably all knew who this guy was the whole Italian neighborhood, but they just weren't saying anything in fear of more retribution. But there's a couple problems with this theory in general. Uh, John D'Antonio, our our Italian retired police officer at the time. Uh, he was considered the expert of the mafia in the New Orleans area. He said that if it were the mafia, no one would have survived. They would have actually killed them. There wouldn't have been any like bouncing off thick skulls of Max. That is a classic overdramatic Italian statement right there. Right. We don't we don't even fail at killing <laughs> ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody kills Italians like Italians uh, kill Italians. <laughs> this guy here was more on the serial killer camp though which Mm. it does have an mo and it does do stuff like that but at the same time uh hitman has mo hitmen have mo's that doesn't necessarily mean they're serial killers if they're doing it for serial killers are like what do it for pleasure uh hitman would do it for money financial gain i think there's like very the the requirements to be a serial killer are pretty few 
I think you just have to kill two people. To kill two people at a span of time. Like you can't just go uh, shoot a school up. You're a mass killer. Mass killer. killer. There's, mm-hmm. there's things, but you're not really a serial killer if you're a hitman because you're not doing it. How many schools do you have to shoot up to be a serial killer? You have to do serial mass murder. That would be interesting. at least two. That would be interesting. Is it? Yeah, is it at least. But they have to fit a criteria. It's just the way they're 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 all pieces of shit. It's just the way they're categorized, so you can profile them. It just makes it easier to figure out what this kind of person would be if you can put them in their different category. So, like, if you're mm-hmm. a serial killer, you're more likely like have a job that doesn't require you leaving the house or something. You're a loner. You don't have many friends. They or if you're mass murderer, probably the same shit. Just your parents are. Republican gunheads, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we both said the same thing, just in different words. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that's the only real problem with the mafia theory is the fact that they think that a mafia people would have finished the job, which meh, I don't really know about that. I think <laughs> I'm really before like I get too far, I I literally think it's the mafia. Like that's I think my my pick for the whole thing, but we'll get talk about some more stuff with it. I mean, it could be one of those like uh, lone, not mafia related Italian murderers from the Italian. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not forget about that. No, not? Let's not forget about that. <laughs> uh, so here's some theories about the letter and, and why it was sent and stuff like that. Not really about who the killer is, but just the intent of the letter. Uh, this is all stuff that I found. I didn't make this up. So this is just why I have to write it because it's fun. Well, you uh, make this up? No, this is uh, okay. some of it's just me postulating, being a jackass. But this is uh, not me. This is why it's funny. The Axeman getting revenge against Italians for taking credit for black jazz musicians' music. So it's just some black dude who's just like, got to kill off those Italians because they just stole my music. That sounds um, like a very Italian theory. It does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. A racist. To be fair, to this theory or whatever a lot of music has been stolen from black people and jazz is one of them totally. a lot of everything has been stolen from them i mean for sure. yeah. yeah i totally agree with that but um i can't think of an italian saxophone player is all i'm saying yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> I don't Jerry, know. Uh, the, the great uh joey tony saxophonio uh <laughs> Of uh, of New Orleans back then. He, Only saxophone he used. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the best lips of any eye tie in the land. No one lives to saxophone like Joey Tony Baroni saxophone. Lips. Lips saxophone. <laughs> Joey Tony Baroni saxophone doesn't sound phony at all. Sounds real. Um, phony, Joey Tony, yeah, whatever. Yeah. The other reason, here's another theory as to why the letter was even sent to the the, the Axeman is upset about the New Orleans closing of the red light district. So apparently in 1917, the Navy shut down the whole red light district, uh, the gambling dens, the brothels, the no. dance halls and dance clubs. Yep. So everyone in New Orleans was pissed about that. So they, the one Jacksman's like, let's make it, let's make jazz one last night guys and get my dick sucked by a hooker. Let's do this. With my mistress in my bed and my ex-wife in Chicago. Or my, um. my actual wife in Chicago. <laughs> That sucks because they didn't want Italians and jazz, and then they shut down the red light district. So, what was Joey Tony Saxophone going to do with those lips? <laughs> You're wasting the best Italian lips in all of New Orleans. Joey Tony Baroni Saxophone now eats bologna because he's out of work. 
Yeah. He can't, he, can't, he can't blow a saxophone. He can't suck a dick. Poor man. <laughs> can't, can't suck some macaroni. All right. I made a rhyme more. Um, uh, the Axeman, here's another theory as to why that letter was even sent. The Axeman was trying to make jazz mainstream. All right. So he just wanted everyone to listen to jazz so they would understand why it's so amazing. And then not everyone thinks it's the devil's music anymore by sending a letter that says you're from hell. I don't, I don't get that one, but that's literally the devil. <laughs> He's like, look, no, I'm the devil. I can tell you there's no jazz in hell. I know that for a fact because I'm the devil. <laughs> <laughs> a better source than me, the devil. I don't buy it. <laughs> All right. So the last theory about the letter is that if the Axeman didn't even write the letter, which I kind of talked about up uh, top a little bit, Miriam Davis, who wrote The Axeman of New Orleans, a true story. Uh, how many times has a ser- insert serial killer or thing that we're doing a true story ever been written? Just me talked about in the show so far. So many times. D.B. Cooper, the true story. Uh, fucking Amelia Earhart, a true story. Actually, her book was shitty. It was called 27 Hours, 15 Minutes or whatever. But anyways. Yeah, and they didn't even yeah. solve it correctly. Fucking assholes. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, uh, she wrote... <laughs> Axeman, New Orleans, true story, denies that the real Axeman could have written the letter at all. She says the Axeman was part of the working class, therefore probably couldn't even write. Uh, the Axeman was... Yeah, that's, that's, that's her that. prediction. How does she know that? How does she know? Because that? of literacy rates in the 1900s, early 1900s. Yeah, they were at zero. No, 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 no. I'm not... No, no, no. I'm not asking about the second part. I'm saying, how does she know that he was a part of the working class? Because it would have... The way... Rich people like to kill. Have you ever seen The Purge? And OJ Simpson. Purge is a movie. And OJ's. <laughs> yeah, that's what you think. <laughs> Just OJ so you that back in, you know? Come, come to the US. You'll find out. She says, Miriam Davis says that he couldn't have been, he probably couldn't even write. How does she know that, uh, Rick? I don't really fucking know. I'll tell you that much. She just did a lot of research on it, wrote an entire book. So I'm sure she had some sort of reasoning, but she doesn't get into it in depth. Um, so I'm just going to trust the expert. I'm going to trust the expert on this. I hate these people that just do bullshit research and then just immediately come up with a theory <laughs> and they spout it on in their book or on their podcast. Especially when there's like more than one of them, you know, <laughs> and just expect everybody to be like, oh yeah, they automatically know the answer. Right. It's like one, it's one person correctly said the California state killer is a cop and all of a sudden he gets discovered and he was a cop at one point and they're like oh i knew it the whole time <laughs> i agree with you i could have been a rich person why not i don't i don't see why it couldn't have been this is put it this way this is what she follows that up with okay she says uh, it would have to be someone who is very well educated like a jazz musician because she claims it's the fucking guy who wrote uh the axeman jazz why would a jazz musician be any more educated than the fucking working man I'm assuming if you have time to learn how to read sheet music, that somebody taught you how to read words. I'm a just, I'm gonna throw that true. out there. I don't know if that's, that's definitely not true. But First of all, they're not reading sheet yeah. music at all. I was going to say that for sure. They're just yeah. Playing it has to like be. It has to be music first. You're thinking of um. Hey. Um, I just want to say I used to play the saxophone. Are you Joey Chipatoni saxophony and? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Holy shit, he's here with us the whole time. Joey he's Tony home. Baroni saxophone. I wish I was talking into his mic. I wish I still had my saxophone because I would. I would just have it by my desk and just have it ready. Mozzarella sticks and baloney. We've known it the whole time. Yeah, since the second you said that I ate mozzarella sticks, we should have fucking known. Oh, went right over our heads. The call they're coming from inside the house. (laughs) So yeah, like I said, she thinks it's the well-educated jazz musician John Joseph Davila. Uh, Davila's song, The Mysterious Axeman Jazz, was released almost the same week as the publication of the letter, basically the same night, because I was reading that it was being played up and down the street that night. Is, it, is he related to Corella de Villa? Is that this guy's wife? <laughs> if so, I have, a new, I have a new theory, if that's true. Uh, no, Corella, but I want to hear the theory anyway. And Corella did it. Obviously, she's killing puppies and people. It's, it's an easy, it's an easy, put, you know. The, based on <laughs> based on the aesthetic of the the movie, I believe the timelines match up. So, and there's that, and and, and she, all the Axeman wants to do is or Corella. Sorry, wants to do is kill things at the same intelligence level, and puppies and Italians are the same intelligence level. Oh right? so, yeah, oh, she's oh, like, I want a beautiful fur Italian coat. <laughs> <laughs> Full grown dogs are completely safe. <laughs> yeah, they're smarter than Italians, right? <laughs> she's got a scarf made out of women's lips and mustaches, <laughs> and shark and gold shark necklaces. <laughs> Whatever, whoever wrote the letter at the end of the day, it's like it still scared the shit out of the city. Honestly, it probably did as much damage as the Axeman. I'm sure a lot of people got fucked up, people thinking they were the Axeman. So this guy was kind of a dickhead as much as ever. I think John Joseph wrote the letter, honestly. It makes the most sense. 100%, yeah, uh, really. Yeah. And he, he probably did just as much damage as the Axeman. Like a lot of people got injured, just like the Axeman did. Not a lot of people died, but I'm sure a lot of no people one, got fucked no one up. Died. <laughs> yeah. Here's some fun theories that are out on the internet. Uh, the Axeman is a demon. Well, he told us that. Exactly. <laughs> in the letter. Theory. He said he was a demon. The only thing so. we know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the letter comes from hell, goddammit. He likes jazz, the devil's music. <laughs> he even says he has a close relationship with the angel of death. It must be a demon. The Axeman, here's the other fun one, uh, which I find is outrageous. Uh, the Axeman is a supernatural being that can shrink himself down to a smaller size and make himself like he's Ant-Man. Like, oh, that's why he only needed to cut out that, a little side of the door. And that tracks. Well, well, we well, talking I mean, about this. They solved he, it years ago with this fucking theory. Yeah. <laughs> and and he was not he, he couldn't control the shrinking very well. So he was he was too tiny when he was trying to swing it. That's why so many people survived. There's only a couple times that he got up to full size. And then he, that's when he exactly. got exactly. Yeah, exactly. See, I think his issue was how he had those things that he could like make things bigger or smaller. He just would forget to make the axe. Oh, bigger, that's and true. They're trying to fucking yeah. like chisel through someone's head. Got a little it's ball peen axe. <laughs> the guy would, the guy would wake up and like Ant Man's on his fucking eye, and he's like, "I just saw this thing standing <laughs> yeah. over top of me." Perspective. Hacking through his eyelashes <laughs> like they're tree trunks. Yeah. <laughs> but he's so that's such a funny idea he's so close to the eye that you think he's like a normal sized human but it's all perspective a, a large yeah. figure i'm the demon here to get you <laughs> i'm from hell oh <laughs> fuck hold on let me turn the oh shit how does this thing like, work 
We're just killing Italians in a small demon. <laughs> so here's the, uh, well, this one here is my theory, which it's just basically what uh, Darren said off the top is Andrew Maggio is the ax man. DiMaggio. Uh, it wasn't written anywhere. It, it wasn't written anywhere. I just thought of this could, well, put it this way. They accused Andrew of kill of, killing mr and mrs joe like his brother and sister-in-law at the time he obviously did i think he did for sure he uh, but did. i think yeah he, he lived with he was a barber he lived there barber uh what a straight razor kills them a thing a barber has he wants to hear their brother fuck in the room next door more than four, exactly four exactly i have five brothers none uh, of them can survive that <laughs> yeah and it doesn't even look like it doesn't even look like someone broke into that house it looks like someone chiseled out a thing but like why mm. could they be so quiet he could just woke up came home in a drunken stupor slit their throats because he didn't want to fucking see hear about them fucking later drunken asshole and then he, he makes like, it look like someone broke in we lay down already and he's like how do you guys feel about Huey Lewis in the news? Like fucking American Psycho, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking axing his brother up. I have a feeling they're going to be abandoned 60 years. They all, uh, the guys close were outside the house, like as if the guy, like Andrew just changed in his room and threw the clothes outside, right? Uh, they also found a red stained shirt in his room, the police. There was a stained shirt in Andrew's room? Yeah, red stained shirt in his room. Yeah, but that, that very easily could have been one of his clients' blood, or like a spaghetti sauce. That too, for sure. It for sure was spaghetti sauce, but maybe also <laughs> blood. It ends up being wine. They they figure out it's actually wine. Um, Hard to tell the difference. In, you know, early 1900s Italians in science where it was at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the police were so sure that he killed his brother that he wasn't even allowed to go to the funeral he was held up in questioning for hours four hours i believe that day the funeral day they're like today's the day we're doing it the razor found at the scene was not the one that killed joseph and Catherine. it was a different one that they found around near where the axles it was found outside it doesn't change the fact that it could have been him anyway. It's like a, he handled Gretel the murder material from his room to outside. Clothes, <laughs> <laughs> the fucking razor, all leading to the bloody marinara shirt in his room. <laughs> <laughs> really hard to figure mm-hmm. out. So after he gets away with the murder of his brother and sister-in-law, Andrew gets the taste for murder and decides to continue doing it. You know, that's how serial killers usually start. They kill someone and then they continue repeating the pattern over and over. Maybe he hated it. And it was just a really elaborate cover that he committed to, to cover up his brother's murder. Exactly what I was going to say. What better way to hide your like crime of passion than to dilute that. It would explain why he never really killed him too. I don't really want to do this. Right. Also, he's like, I'm, I wanted to be the razor killer. They call me the ax. I don't even know. You. They monitored him out of six good kills. <laughs> he fucking saddled him with an axe. <laughs> Fine, I'll sucks. kill you with an axe. Axe is only two letters. <laughs> three, two, um, three. Uh, the last theory, which is the most widely believed theory uh, out there, is, and it's the only real suspect they ever had for the Axeman, which is a guy named Joseph Mumphrey. Um, Mumphrey's the Axeman. He was a criminal and ran a blackmailing gang in New Orleans at the time. He tried to blackmail grocers into paying them protection. Like he was an extortionist. He had a little crew of people that would go around extorting. 
he was in jail actually from 1912 till 1917, like the time when it was quieted down from when they think the earlier murders might have been connected to him. You mean um, the, the previous axe murderers that are exactly the same as the ones that were? They're a, they're they're similar. I wouldn't say exactly the same, but yes, they are very similar for sure. Uh, but he was in jail during that time, and he when he was arrested in 1919, uh, he had a list of names in his notebook of people he was blackmailing. Not only was Pepitone, remember our buddy Pepitone, he was on that list, but also Angle Albano. You've said a lot of Italian names. Mike Pepitone. Pepit- Mike Pepitone and his wife. Remember his wife was the wife of six. She had six kids. You think they called him Pepperone? Like for pepperoni? I would call him Pepperone. <laughs> yeah, was that pepperoni with the saxophony? Joni Bologna eating spigatoni? I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> Macaroni? Anymore. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy because all of these just sound like Pete Davidson characters. (laughs) Nothing matters right now other than Spaghetti Tony. (laughs) Yeah, so Mike Pepitone. Spaghetti Tony Awards. (laughs) (laughs) Robert De Niro gets a Spaghetti Al Pacino gets a Spaghetti Only Italian actors. There's no one acting like a Italian actor. I went to school with Pepitone. He was yeah. a fucking jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, hope, I hope he's doing well. It's been a long time, and I hope he's doing well. Maybe he's bet. Maybe he's not such a jerk off anymore. Who knows? He sounds like a jerk off though. He's yeah. Italian. Fucking so, jerk. Uh... <laughs> Man, you know, I'm just happy that I'm German. You guys have nothing to attack us. Why would you set up a, a target? Why would you be like, my turn, let's leave the Italians alone. Let's go with the fucking Germans now. I just I just figured, let me throw some lightheartedness in there for the Italian at home that's just getting their axe ready yes, to go. So like, Germans did do the Holocaust and everything, which I agree is, is terrible. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, that's all. <laughs> We know the axe murders happened. We don't. I mean, if we pull if we pull the scope out a little bit and we just we gloss over the Holocaust and just say World War II, it's straight yeah. to Angela Merkel. I mean, that's well, a winner. yes, but I, I also mean Italians were really bad in World War II as well, and then everything else with them. Hey, don't steal! Hey, don't steal my soul. I'm literally just trying answer. to advocate against Italians. I have um, no <laughs> That's fine. Then. In the That's arms fine. of an angel. <laughs> that All right. The- so when they arrest Bumfrey in 1919, he had a list of names in a notebook, the people he's blackmailing. One of them was Pepitone. We talked about him earlier. He was murdered. Uh, another person on there was a guy named Angelo Albano. I'm going to get to him in a second. Pepitone was the, one of the Axemen victims. He was one that left his wife as a widow with six kids. Joseph Bumfrey is the Axemen is what crime writer Colin Wilson proposes. The way the theory plays out is this. Esther Pepitone, soon after the murder of her husband, Mike, marries a guy named Anglo Albino, Albino, A-L-B-I-N-O, Albino. Uh, She had six kids, so uh, she wasn't going to work. So Albino apparently owed Mumphrey 500 early 1900s money, uh, American dollars. So that's probably a lot of money for, I didn't do the calculations, but it's a shit ton. And Mumphrey being the criminal that he is, when he doesn't get his money, he makes Albino disappear on October 27th, 1921, three years after the last Axeman murder. 
uh, exactly to the day. And he just disappears. He doesn't, they don't never find his body or anything like that. It's weird how often the follow-up crime is on the exact day. OJ went to jail for that robbery shit exactly 10 years to the day after he got fucking whatever. Uh, yeah. Gate was arrested um, for Robert Peace killing 10 years after he should have been jail initially for his 10-year bid. It's interesting. It's just twice then. <laughs> but, well, I mean, I bet you if we looked into that more, there'd be a lot more coincidences like that. It's all a simulation anyway. So, yeah, right. and, and time is fake too. So I guess you can factor that in. Exactly. He disappears. Uh, Anglo, he's gone, but he never paid Mumphrey. Month and a half after he disappears on December 5th, Mumphrey pays a visit to Esther asking for the $500. So he threatened that if she didn't pay up, he would kill her and, like he killed her husband. So instead of paying the money, she just shoots him in self-defense, claims he, and then tells everyone he was the axe man. She goes around telling everyone, like, that was the guy that killed my first husband, Mikey. Nice. Mike wasn't the guy with the mistress and the wife in Chicago? That's Charles. No, that was right? Charles. Cardinal Moglia or whatever his fucking name Oh, yeah. Okay, my bad. There's lots of there's lots of people, right? That's just hard. Was, I think it was the Italian it. Mafia. Did I say that already? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's the Italian Mafia. They killed uh, the JFK murder and they killed JFK. That's their two big, their two big things. So the problem with the Mumphrey theory is that he's in jail. Not only was in jail for that gap between 1911 and 1918, he was also in jail like a bunch of times when the other murders were happening too. It's hard to track down if this Esther story even happened or if Mumphrey was even a real person. All the shit from records back then are all shit. I don't know how this guy got his his theory and put it all together. Crime writer Michael Newton is another guy who dug into the solution and he had a hard time finding any information about any of these characters. Like I did. I went and tried to do it too. Records are old. There are newspaper articles about it. Birth and death records don't really follow, but maybe, maybe not. I don't really know. There's another theory out there uh, about copycat killers. So once somebody got killed with an axe, it just became people start killing people with an axe, get away with whatever the fuck you want. It's kind of the, the mafia vendetta, but like it could just be like, kill someone with an axe. They're saying there's an axe band out there. If I kill your friend, like if I kill someone with an axe, somebody I don't like, I'll just blame it on the axe man. I'll get away with it. Um, so there's like 10 different axe men or whatever the copycat injurer is not a thing that happens though yeah exactly <laughs> copycat maimer <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> nobody kills italians like italians you know what i'm saying now, man. <laughs> let's see what uh i can see people have their own theories and i want to see what's going on here there's uh, cholesterol cholesterol probably kills a lot of italians too <laughs> <laughs> yeah silent killing <laughs> High blood pressure, man. Why do you think that one blood splatter was seven mm-hmm. feet long? Papacola. It's primed and ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Mozzarella sticks. Yeah. All right. So I do agree that some of these were probably cap- copycats or faked or, you know, police shoddy, shoddy work by the police. Um, but what I do want to point to is March 13th, 1919 is when the supposed letter was sent to New Orleans. Um, what else happened immediately after that on March 23rd in 1919, Mussolini formed his fascist party. So my theory is that he was using this entire ax murder as a, a campaign. He wrote the letter, right? Mussolini could easily read and write, got his whole campaign started up. And then who disappears? The ax murderer. And when does he become prime minister? 1922. And just to put the final nail on the coffin. Hold on. I got so many fucking tabs here. 
a hell of a way to show anti-American propaganda. By boom, Mussolini holding the pokon. It's an axe. That's in no, no. It, it's not just an axe in Italian. It, axes aren't axes in Italian. Then that's not a fucking axe. The book, it's a it's a pickaxe. Yeah, right. I'm gonna add prefixes onto it. Don't count. Plus, they're Italian, so they don't really know what an axe is. I don't know. The timeline. You time had, you had up. me all there the until you called up. that an axe, Rick. It was four years of this. You think? Sir, I want. I was trying to get you while you're telling the rest of your theory while the axe man song be playing in the background. Down in New Orleans. Tell me this isn't some shit that Mussolini would a fascist uprising for. Come on! <laughs> and I'll tell you what, if there's one person that resonates with the idea of who can kill Italians better, it's fucking Mussolini. Down in New Orleans. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't this funny though? This is supposed to be the scary Axeman song and it sounds like it's like a, a JRPG in a shop buying potions. The fucking the Benny, the whatever Hill Show song. Okay, I don't, I don't know what jazz is. Well, that was not jazz. I don't, I don't think I know what an organ grinder is because I, I had a very different image in my head, and I don't feel the thing that I created could make that type of music. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a very modern equivalent of what they would have been playing back then. So. It's like playing off of sheet music on a computer. Um, yeah, this fucking this is the only instrument I've ever seen with wheels. Oh my fucking god! Okay, give me one more second. Okay, sorry, I just stumbled upon something completely by accident. Okay, accident. Here is the accident. flag of Italian fascism. <laughs> it's amazing. got a fucking axe on it. Dude, you finally found the axe. All right, yeah. All right, all right. It's an axe. All right. Agree. Tell me, it's not Mussolini. It's not Mussolini, Mussolini running through. It's not Mussolini, but it's Mussolini uh, running through the Sicilians. I legit think it's the. Okay, I do like what you're doing here. Uh, I'm not gonna discount oh, what you're you. doing. This is funny. Oh, this is yeah. This is uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna tell you right now, nobody's brought up that Mussolini in all the writings that I've. Done. What are the so fucking chances that ten days later this motherfucker found founded the fascist party? That's wild. I was I googled it and I was that was shit luck. I didn't know that in advance. I don't chances know shit about one, Italy. One to one. Those are the chances. Darren, let me ask you a question. Okay. What are, are you satisfied with your solve here that we think it's the, well, actually, what are we going to go with before? Darren, you got any theories that we could use before I, uh, we'll take yours into consideration before we solve this? Um, I think it was Mike Pepitone's wife. Mike Pepitone's wife just went on a rampage? Yep. I don't, know if she, I don't know if she started it, but she definitely took it over and um, made it. It's it's prime prime time was the uh, when it was under the Pepitone old lady. That's fair. Maybe she brought all of her nine kids with her, so that's why they thought it was a big dude. Uh, it was just a lady with nine kids on her back. Did she lose one? <laughs> was it her lost one? But her two year old? No, it was it was the young couple. Uh, definitely, yeah. All Italians look the same. Is that something I can say? <laughs> <laughs> We say whatever we want. We're it's a it's a comedy podcast. Well, then what are we gonna go with, guys? We're we going with the uh, Sicilians working through fucking Mussolini. Um, she's I, trying to get rid of. 
I'm, the I'm fine. Population? I'm fine with with that theory. If we're not going to go with a an out of work uh, and desperate uh, Joey, Tony, factory worker, Barone, saxophony. <laughs> <laughs> playing with his little macaroni mm-hmm. yeah because yeah nothing rhymes with mozzarella so <laughs> <laughs> lots of fellas rhymes with mozzarella but i'm not getting into that <laughs> killing lots of fellas not getting into that. jumping on mozzarellas <laughs> um uh, and, that... and and he's also eating spaghettoni so <laughs> aren't we all Okay, well, we solved it. I think that's pretty good solve. What do you yeah, think? It's one, uh, one of the Rick? two. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? What do you think, Rick? So are you satisfied with your solve, Mr. Wood? The only the only reason I'm I can state for sure that I'm completely satisfied is because we fucking nailed it. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. We nailed it. I'm high fives all around. High fives all around. And to play us out of this episode today, I will be playing Axeman Jazz. Awesome. I just watched Private Dicks and I think RJ's the What? Come on! Hey there, all you private dickheads. That's probably not the name we're gonna stick with. Anyways, uh, RJ here. I am here to tell you thank you for listening to another episode of Private Dicks. If you liked what you heard, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify anywhere they take your reviews, drop us five stars, say something nice. Also, what you just heard was from last season. If you want current episodes as they're dropped, head on over to patreon.com and search up Unethical Podcast. That's our mother podcast. I was not aware Private Dicks was a spinoff. I'm going to renegotiate my contract. On Patreon is a full 16-episode season more of Private Dicks, uncut videos of each episode, and many more things are getting added all the time. You can also find all of Unethical's content on there, so go listen to that. And if you're already a patron, fuck yeah, dude. You're the best. Mm-hmm.